Welcome to Straight Up Sports, the podcast, reincarnated edition. I'm Andrew Schaefer. In today's episode, we're going to talk about and preview the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk about the Major League Baseball sign-stealing scandal and why I believe the Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred did not come down hard enough on the Houston Astros. We'll also talk about the NBA All-Star Game coming up and why the voting needs to change. And we'll also do a tribute to Kobe Bryant as he has passed away now at the age of 41. Apologize for the noise there. That was an air conditioner. I don't know if any of you can hear it, but it's really loud. So uh, let's get started with the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's a big Sunday between Kansas City and San Francisco. Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs after beating the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. Jimmy Garoppolo leads the San Francisco 49ers after beating the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Both teams had a fairly easy route. They both had a bye in the first round. So it was pretty pretty much a walk in the park. We'll start with Kansas City. Uh, they were down 24-0 to the Houston Texans and found a way to somehow win a game in which they were down plenty, right? 24-0, as I mentioned. You know, they scored 51 unanswered to win that game. Um, you know, you got to give Kansas City a lot of credit, you know, but a lot of this to me is not credit to Kansas City. A lot of it to me is the Houston Texans have no clue what they're doing in terms of coaching. I think Bill O'Brien is a terrible coach. I've said this now for a long time. He is he is done in Houston. And the Texans need to think about making a change. Obviously, they're not going to do that or they would have done it already. They're actually the only team currently in the NFL without a general manager. Bill O'Brien did let Romeo Crennel go as a defensive coordinator. I really don't think Romeo Crennel was the reason that they lost that game. They lost that game because Bill O'Brien has no clue what he's doing, and he hasn't had a clue what he's doing. And Deshaun Watson has saved his job numerous, numerous times. Houston should have lost to Buffalo. They didn't because the Bills are another team that loses big games as well. That's why the Bills stands for Boy, I Love Losing Super Bowls. Sorry, Bills fans. But the Houston Texans should have won that football game and didn't. Then Kansas City got to play Tennessee a team that was kind of like the Cinderella story. Ryan Tannehill, who's probably going to win Comeback Player of the Year. Derrick Henry, who has clearly established himself as a top-five running back in football. No doubt about it. Came into Arrowhead, took a 10-0 lead, and everyone's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. And deja vu, Kansas City comes back and wins and goes to the Super Bowl. This is Andy Reid's second Super Bowl. The last one was in 2004, I believe, against the New England Patriots in which New England had a game-winning field goal when Donovan McNabb was his quarterback. Now, I will, for the record, be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I would love to see Andy Reid win. I think Patrick Mahomes is a special, special talent. He can move both in and out of the pocket. He can throw at different arm angles. He's got arm strength, you know, both on short little uh, button hook passes and also on deep routes. He, to me, is a better version of Aaron Rodgers. Now, that's a bold statement because Aaron Rodgers is, I think, one of the best quarterbacks talent-wise we have ever seen in the sport. But I think Patrick Mahomes is better than him. I think Patrick Mahomes will get two more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers will not make another Super Bowl again. This was the chance, and they failed, and we'll get to them in a second. 
So Kansas City is now in the Super Bowl. They will face the San Francisco 49ers, who were the best team in football all year. They were the number one seed in the NFC. Everybody doubted them, including myself, because their schedule was pretty soft. And now they get an opportunity to play in the biggest game on the biggest stage. Now I'm going to read you a couple of stats here about Jimmy Garoppolo. He backed up Tom Brady for three years. Learned from him as a mentor. Aaron Rodgers, three years under Favre, right? Mentor, the whole thing. This is Jimmy Garoppolo's sixth season, and he's playing in the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, in his sixth season, won the Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. So is it coincidental? Is it destiny? We're not really sure. I guess we'll find out on Sunday. But the reality of the situation is if San Francisco wants to win the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo has to win it for them. Yes, their defense will show up. Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman, and the guys will show up. And they'll have a big game. But they're not stopping Patrick Mahomes. They can only limit Patrick Mahomes. They can't completely stop him. He's that good of a quarterback. So San Francisco offensively is going to have to do some damage. They're going to have to run the football, which they've done very well all year. George Kittle is going to be a major part of their offensive game plan. Emmanuel Sanders is going to have to be a major part of their game plan as well. And Jimmy Garoppolo only threw eight passes against Green Bay. He is going to have to throw more than eight passes if they want to beat Kansas City. There is no way that they're going to win that game with him throwing only eight passes. Kansas City stopped Derrick Henry for 70 yards. They can stop San Francisco's running game. Even though San Francisco's running game statistically had a better year, they can stop San Francisco's running game if they can stop Derrick Henry. So as I mentioned, I'll be rooting for Kansas City. I'm picking Kansas City to win this game. That means everybody should go put their life savings on San Francisco. These are two completely different styles of football. Kansas City is more run and gun, pass first. San Francisco's more ground and pound, tough defense, kind of the old school way. It's kind of an old school, new school kind of thing. You know, Andy Reid is a coach I think that everybody wants to see win, right? He has struggled in big games his entire career. But this is an opportunity to right all the doubters and all the wrongs. Kyle Shanahan, first year coach, uh, excuse me, second year coach, I believe, in the NFL, and now he's in the Super Bowl. But people are saying that Andy Reid has a coaching advantage. I would disagree. Kyle Shanahan knows how to game plan offenses. Remember, he was an offensive coordinator for Matt Ryan in Atlanta. He knows what he's doing. And remember, he has an X factor that no one's talking about, and that's that his father, Mike Shanahan, was a Super Bowl winning coach in Denver. So he's going to rely a lot on his father's experiences to try to help him in this preparation and lead up to the Super Bowl. Now, there's a few things that the coaches obviously have to take care of. They got to make sure their players stay out of trouble. They're in Miami, a, a city that is well documented for partying. And Super Bowl week is a big party week, no matter where the Super Bowl is, whether it's in Miami, Tampa, San Francisco, L.A., wherever it is. The Super Bowl is a big party week for everybody. And we've seen in the past where players get in trouble, they get undisciplined, and they they don't get a chance to even play. Last year in New England, Malcolm Butler didn't play. Barely played it if he did at all. Not really sure, to be honest with you, but he didn't play a whole lot. And Belichick is a disciplinarian coach. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid would do the same. But this is going to be a great game. 
This is not going to be one of these low-scoring, you know, 12-10 type games. This is going to be 35-31 type games. Could be even higher than that. I would be very shocked if this game is not a game in the fourth quarter. But I will be taking the Kansas City Chiefs. uh, 35-31 over the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Where Andy Reid will get his first. Patrick Mahomes will get his first of a few that I think he will be able to get. Especially with Tom Brady retiring in the near future. And let's talk about Green Bay really quick. I just want to throw them in there. You know, a lot of people thought that this could have been Green Bay's year. You know, Aaron Rodgers had an opportunity. A lot of people thought San Francisco was vulnerable. But Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay struggled again on a big stage. This is the end of Aaron Rodgers going to the Super Bowl. He will not be going back. He's done. Um, Talent-wise, he's one of the greatest to ever play the game. Um, Some people will say offensively he doesn't have a lot of weapons. You know, personally, I think Devontae Adams is not a number one receiver. As good as he is, I think he's more of a – he would be a really great two. I think they still need a number one receiver. Um, Their running game clearly has improved. Aaron Jones has been very good. Jimmy Graham, I think, needs to be a little bit more involved in the offense. Um, But defensively, that team didn't show up against against San Francisco. Excuse me. They just did not show up. So as I mentioned, I will take Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. I'll probably be wrong, so everybody go bet San Francisco. So let's transition to baseball. Obviously, sign stealing uh, is a big thing that's going on right now. Uh, For those of you that haven't heard or just tuning in, Houston Astros were caught sign stealing. And basically, the Houston Astros took it into their own hands. They suspended and fired their general manager and their manager. The Red Sox fired their manager, Alex Cora, and the Mets fired Carlos Beltran because they were all involved. Then a video came out recently of Alex Bregman on camera being asked if they cheated. And he said, Major League Baseball came out with a report and they'll do their due diligence and do what they got to do. I'm sorry, Alex Bregman. You fucking cheated. Okay, you fucking cheated. I I don't know what else to tell you. You cheated. Just come out, admit it, say, hey, we've we messed up. We stole signs from the Yankees, from the Dodgers, you know, and that's it. It's really not that complicated. But you don't want to admit it because that could tarnish your legacy or keep you out of the Hall of Fame. Guess what? You cheated. That's it. You're a coward. You're a liar. You cheated. Just admit it. Stop lying on national television to everybody. I mean, you were so cocky that you, you know, when you rounded first base, you gave the bat to your coach. Oh, wait, you were so cocky because you already knew it was coming. You already knew it was going to be a fastball down the middle. I'd be that cocky, too, if I knew exactly what was coming. Anyway, that's the disgruntled Yankee fan of me. But in all seriousness... They cheated. And, you know, Major League Baseball, I don't think, came down hard enough on the Astros. You know, they did what they did. Um, I would have gone about it a little differently. I would have taken away first and second round draft picks for five to ten years. 
And I would have taken all their international bonus pool money and thrown it out the window. So there's no signing players from the Dominican Republic, Korea, Japan, Cuba. No. You guys are screwed. You screwed baseball. Baseball screws you. But now it affected two other teams, the Red Sox and the Mets. They both fired their managers, Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran, respectively. The Mets hired uh, Luis Rojas. I actually really like this move for the Mets. Why? Because they kept it internal. They're believing in the staff that they put together. I actually like this move. Do I think he's a better manager than Beltran? We'll never know. But I like the move the Mets did here going with internal. Eduardo Perez was in consideration. He's an ESPN Major League Baseball analyst. I think it's safe to say that I'm not sure that that would have worked out for the Mets. You know, they hired a manager who has managed some of these players in the minor leagues. And I think that's important that he already has a previous relationship with a lot of his current players. So I think the Mets will be fine with Rojas. As for Boston, the report is now that they won't have a manager for at least another week. I think there's two candidates they could look at that aren't the obvious choices. Eduardo Perez, Dusty Baker, you know, Buck Shaw Walter, those kinds of guys. One guy would be Jason Varitek. Jason Varitek played for the Red Sox for a long time. He was their starting catcher when they won the World Series in 2004. Uh, he is a manager's type of player. What I mean by that is he plays hard. He's a great leader in the locker room. And people galvanized around him in Boston. The other one is Dustin Pedroia. Now, I know Dustin Pedroia is still currently under contract with the Red Sox, um, but he did have a setback. And he had a, he's had a lot of knee issues. And if Dustin Pedroia retired, I think the Red Sox would seriously consider him to be their next manager. Again, well-respected throughout Major League Baseball because of the way he plays, his size, his effort. I don't know if the Red Sox are going to pick either of those two guys. I think they might go with the experienced guy in Dusty Baker or Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter obviously was in this division with the Baltimore Orioles. So it's a little bit different, obviously, for him. Um, I think he would probably have the upper edge there. But let's face it, the Red Sox are not going to be that great this year. There's rumors going around that Mookie Betts might get traded to San Diego. They have to unload David Price. So there's a lot of things the Red Sox are trying to do right now. And honestly, it's just to clear a lot of salary cap space for their team. So let's move on to the NBA All-Star Game. The NBA All-Star Game is two weeks from Sunday. Now, the way the fans voted the starting lineup in the Eastern Conference was Kemba Walker and Trey Young at the point guard position. And up front, it's Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. In the West, it's Luka Doncic and James Harden. And up front, it's Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. I believe they got it correct in the Western Conference. I think those are the five best players, there's no doubt. In the Eastern Conference, I agree with Kemba Walker. I agree with Giannis and Joel Embiid. And I do agree with the other two as well but you could make a really strong case for Jimmy Butler. 
Now, the reason Jimmy Butler did not make it in the starting lineup is because he was listed as a forward. If he was listed as a guard, I believe he would have started over Trey Young, regardless of the way the votes turned out. Jimmy Butler and Miami are playing really well right now. You know, they have surprised a lot of people. And Jimmy Butler has surprised me because Jimmy Butler, I always thought, was terrible with young players, no matter what team he was on. Miami's now 32-14 and 14 as I sit here recording this. They actually just beat Orlando tonight by 21. And Bam Adebayo had a triple-double. Miami's 32-14. and 14. That puts them in a tie for second in the Eastern Conference with Toronto. Trey Young and Atlanta are 12-35. and 35. That is the second-worst record in the NBA and the worst in the Eastern Conference. Now, I'm not saying that Trey Young doesn't deserve to be there because he absolutely deserves to be there. He's averaging 29 points a game. The reason Trey Young got it was for two reasons. One, he was a guard and Butler was a forward. But two, Trey Young's a flashy kind of guy, right? Some people look at him as Steph Curry Jr. I think that's probably a stretch, but some people may look at it that way and say, hey, Trey Young scores a lot of points, hits a lot of threes, turns the ball over a lot. Steph Curry's done that at one time. Hit a lot of shots, hit a lot of big threes, and turned the ball over a lot. Now, the NBA needs to change the way their voting process is done. The NHL did this after John Scott made the All-Star game, and I think the NBA needs to do the same. There should be no more guard forward. Just each team lists two to three guys on their ballot, right? Each team lists two to three guys. You vote once a day. You can pick five to six guys, however many guys you want to pick. You can only vote once a day, right? So, for example, for the Lakers, it would be LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? For Miami, it would be Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. And you could probably make the argument that Kenrick Nunn would be there. Um, and let's say for the Knicks, it would be Marcus Morris and Julius Randle, which is just embarrassing, but that's the reality. The five highest votes start regardless of position. Cause I, th- I think the position thing throws people off. It's like, okay, well we want Trey Young and Jimmy Butler both to start, you know, it's like, there's a whole lot of controversy. That's the way I would do it. Now looking at the voting, the way it, came out, as I mentioned, I believe they got the starting lineup right because I think the NBA All-Star game is about entertaining the fans. And I think Trey Young is more entertaining than Jimmy Butler. That doesn't mean Jimmy Butler's a bad player. I think Jimmy Butler's an excellent player. He's just a grinder. And Trey Young is not a grinder. Trey Young is a scorer. That's just the bottom line. The guy is a scorer. So as I try to pull up the voting here, give me one second. Okay, so let's start in the West. So I'm going to break this down like this. I'm going to pick six forwards and six guards to make the All-Star game. We'll say it's a roster of 12. The All-Star game, by the way, this year is in Chicago, in case anyone was wondering. So we have three forwards, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. 
So I have to pick three other forwards. The list I have in front of me are the following players. Nikola Jokic from Denver, Paul George from the Clippers, Carmelo Anthony from Portland, Brandon Ingram from New Orleans, Kristaps Porzingis from Dallas, Rudy Gobert from Utah, and Carl Anthony Towns from Minnesota. So I have to pick three of these forwards. For me, personally, Paul George has been hurt a lot this year. Okay. Kristaps Porzingis has been hurt a lot this year. Carl Anthony Towns has not done enough for me, and he's also been hurt a lot this year. So that leaves three spots for Nikola Jokic, Carmelo Anthony, Brandon Ingram, and Rudy Gobert. The first spot for me is Nikola Jokic. He's had a great year in Denver. Denver's had a really good season once again. Um, he is probably the best player that is out of shape. And I try to mean that in the most respectful way for Nikola Jokic. He's a triple-double guy. He's a great passer for a big. I just don't know if he's the guy you want shooting at the end of the game for Denver. I think if Denver wants to win a championship, this might sound crazy, but I think the go-to guy right now is Jamal Murray, but in the future, it's going to have to be Michael Porter Jr. My second pick would be Rudy Gobert. Now, Rudy Gobert, I don't think would be a popular pick because he's not really a flashy guy. He's more of like a defensive center who, you know, just kind of makes plays. He's not really known for, you know, alley-oop highlights and, you know, all these crazy things. The third pick for me would be down to Brandon Ingram and Mello. Now, everybody knows who knows me. I have a soft spot for Mello because he went to Syracuse just like I did and You know, he also played for the Knicks. So I would obviously lean towards Mello, but I'm going to go with Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram is on a team that hasn't played well this year. New Orleans was without Zion Williamson for, you know, half the year. And Brandon Ingram's had a really good season. And he's probably going to win most improved, at least in my mind, he's the leading guy. He's a restricted free agent, I believe, so he can get whatever contract he wants. Some team will pay him a lot of money. And I really would put Brandon Ingram in. Now, if the players had a choice, they would probably choose Carmelo Anthony because this maybe could be his last year. He's having a great year. Next year, it may not be so good. So they might go with Carmelo. It would be great to see Melo there. But I would go with Brandon Ingram. So for me, it would be Jokic, Brandon Ingram, and Rudy Gobert. Now the guards. So I have to pick four guards. The guards listed in front of me are Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, John Morant, Chris Paul, D'Angelo Russell, and Steph Curry. So for me, the first guard is Damian Lillard. The guy is a machine. He has dominated the last few games. I believe he's been over 50 at least twice that I can think of, maybe even three times. The guy's been so good. Um... Russell Westbrook, another guy who's had a great year. I, I, I still don't like the fit of him and Harden, especially in the playoffs. But regular season, the guy's a machine. The last two guard spots are interesting. You have Donovan Mitchell, even though Utah already has a representative on my ballot and Rudy Gobert. 
You have Devin Booker, who has not gotten a lot of reputation amongst fans and amongst the media because he plays on a team that's mediocre to below average the last 10 years. John Morant is a rookie. The last rookie to make the All-Star game was Blake Griffin. Chris Paul, a guy who's trying to resurrect his career in Oklahoma City, and they're the 7-6-7 seed in the West. D'Angelo Russell, a guy who was traded from Brooklyn to Golden State to make room for Kevin Durant, who's had a decent year, but not a great year. And Steph Curry, for some reason, is on this list because fans just want to see him there. So for me, the last two spots, I'm not a fan of putting rookies in all-star games as good as John Morant is. Um, I think rookies have to earn it to get it there. You know, they've got to, you know, earn their stripes a little bit. So for me, he's out. D'Angelo Russell, their team is just awful. And D'Angelo Russell, honestly, has not really impressed me all that much. He's not much different from what he was last year. So that leaves three guard spots for Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Donovan Mitchell. For me, I would go with Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Nothing against Chris Paul personally. But Donovan Mitchell is a guy who needs to be on this stage. Chris Paul's been here so many times. And Oklahoma City obviously has had a great season and a surprising season, I think, for a lot of people. But Donovan Mitchell, to me, is an improving player. He's a, becoming a star in this league. Uh, I think Utah gets two reps. And, and Devin Booker finally gets his recognition. His first All-Star game. You know, the Suns have really struggled the last 10 years. He has not gotten a lot of recognition. But he's had a great year, 25 points a game. He's, I think he has a career high in assists as well. His team is definitely playing better. They're two games out of a playoff spot. Uh, so for me, Devin Booker would be my fourth guard. So that's my Western bracket. Excuse me, my Western ballot. Now let's go to the East. So as I mentioned, the two guards that are starting are Kemba Walker and Trey Young. I do not have an issue with that. Some people will, obviously, as I mentioned, because Jimmy Butler was listed as a phone. So I'm going to start with the guards this time. Um, I have to pick four guards. The list I have in front of me is Kyrie Irving, Derek Rose, Kyle Lowry, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, and Spencer Dinwiddie. So Kyrie Irving does not qualify for me. He's been out a lot of, lot of games. He's out. Um, Derek Rose is interesting. He's in Detroit now starting for the injured Reggie Jackson. He's averaging 18 points a game. Again, similar to Carmelo, kind of like a farewell tour. I'm not really sure I'd put him in. Kyle Lowry, guy who's been there a few times. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry is a, a grinder. He's, you know, he's really improved as a player over the years. Zach Levine. You know, he could be the hometown representative for Chicago. He's had a great year. Ben Simmons. You know, a guy who gets a lot of respect in the media and the players, but not really amongst the fans. Because a lot of the fans think that he should be shooting the ball a lot more. Bradley Beal, who's on a really bad Wizards team, but has had unbelievable numbers, and everybody wants to get him out of Washington. Jalen Brown, another guy who's had a career year in Boston. And Spencer Dinwiddie, a guy who... Without Kyrie Irving, has played great, but with Kyrie Irving, now becomes the best sixth man in basketball. This was very tough for me to do. Uh, my first guard was Bradley Beal. I, I think Bradley Beal's had a great year. I know Washington isn't that great of a team, 
But Bradley Beal is an all-star player. There's really no denying that. For me, my second guard was Zach Levine. You know, Chicago getting a, a representative would be big for that city and that team. And Zach Levine has had a great year. I think he's earned it. For me, the last two spots came down to Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, and Jalen Brown. I went with Kyle Lowry and Jalen Brown. That is nothing against Ben Simmons, okay? I like Ben Simmons as a player, but Joel Embiid's already here, right? So is Kemba Walker for Boston. But Philadelphia really has disappointed a lot this year so far. Boston has surprisingly played well and better than I thought they would play. Kyle Lowry, to me, deserves it. I think he's played well. I know he missed a few games with injury, but he's played really well. And and Jalen Brown has been so surprising. I, I think he deserves to go. It's nothing against Simmons personally. I just, I'm going to go with Jalen Brown and Kyle Lowry. I'm sure Ben Simmons will get in because they love him. Uh, you know, he's a Rich Paul guy. They'll push for him. The media will push it. He'll get in. Let's go to the forwards. So as I said, the starting forwards are Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Pascal Siakam. So the forward choices I have are Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Andre Drummond, and Chris Middleton. Jimmy Butler, to me, is a no-brainer. The other two spots are really tough. For me, um, for me, it comes down to Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, and Andre Drummond, and Sabonis. So basically, it's four guys for two spots. I went with Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, and Andre Drummond. Bam Adebayo's had a great year, right? I mean, he's been outstanding. I think he's definitely taken a huge jump. You know, he got a triple-double tonight as a center. I mean, it's very rare to see that center get 10 assists. Um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis has had an excellent year. Indiana's had a great year. Nate McMillan's done a great job there without Oladipo for a long time now. Sabonis, I think, should make it. And Andre Drummond. You know, here's a guy who has made a couple of all-star games. Jason Tatum. You know, Boston already has a couple of reps on my ballot, so I would give Andre Drummond the edge. You can make the argument for Chris Middleton, but I would I would lean towards Andre Drummond. So that's my my All Star uh, voting ballot, All Star game decision making. And finally tonight, we're gonna do a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant passed away yesterday tragically at the age of 41 with his daughter Gianna. Just a a really sad tragedy. Uh, they were in a helicopter with seven other people, and the weather was really foggy, and it crashed. And this is one of those moments where everybody will remember where they were. If you like sports, if you like basketball in particular, this is one of those days where you'll remember exactly where you were January 26, 2020. For me, I was at my friend's house watching soccer. And I got the update on Twitter, and I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no way. This has to be a hoax. Somebody's faking this. And then I saw it come through on TMZ. 
And when TMC posts something like that, usually they're not wrong. And they weren't wrong, unfortunately. Um, you know, everybody has a Kobe moment. Um, you know, for me, I've had one in-person moment with him. And then there's the moment of taking that piece of paper, shooting it in the garbage, fading it away, and yelling, Kobe. You know, you do your little shimmy, your little favorite, and you go, Kobe. Um, for me, the in-person moment, it was 2003. Uh, I was nine years old. And uh, nine, ten years old. My dad shared season Nick tickets with a bunch of buddies. And I got the Kobe Bryant game, which was great. Kobe was still with Shaquille O'Neal at the time. This is the year after the three-peat for the Lakers. It was Kobe Bryant's only visit to Madison Square Garden. Game was nationally televised on TNT. Kobe Bryant sitting in the right corner, guarded by Latrell Sprewell. I'll never forget this moment. Drives baseline. There's a windmill from behind the backboard. His head was behind the backboard, and he did a windmill. One of the craziest dunks I've ever seen live. And just watching Kobe, you know, he's such an icon, not only in basketball, but globally. You know, obviously, most people think of him as a basketball player. 17-time All-Star, 5-time NBA champion, only played for the Lakers. Then... There's people that think of him as an actor in commercials, doing commercials for ESPN, Sprite, Nike. Then there's people that think of him as a motivational speaker. There's people that think of him from Detail, his show on ESPN+. And there's people like Vanessa who think of him as a husband. And there's people like his other three kids who think of him as a father. And that's who the hearts really break for, are Vanessa and her three surviving children. One of them is, an, is a newborn who grows up without a father. And that's like, I can't imagine how difficult that is for Vanessa and for her kids. You know, um, it, it's just really hard to believe, you know, that Kobe Bryant is, is gone. You know, it still hasn't sunk in for me. I don't think it's sunk in for a lot of people. Um, you know, I saw a tweet, I believe, by the local Fox News channel in Los Angeles saying that they didn't want people outside the Staples Center because it was the Grammys. Are you fucking kidding me? Kobe Bryant built that fucking place, okay? The Grammys. Give me a break. Nobody cares about the Grammys, okay? People, you know, the, the best thing about the Grammys last night was Demi Lovato's, you know, singing her song, okay? Let me tell you something. Kobe Bryant was way more important than the Grammys. I don't care what anyone says, okay? And I was not the biggest, you know, Kobe Bryant advocate. Like, I'm not I'm not a Lakers fan. I've never owned anything by Kobe Bryant, never owned a pair of Kobe's, never owned a Kobe Bryant shirt, jersey, any of that stuff. But I know a lot of people who did, and a lot of people were sad. A lot. And it wasn't just, you know, athletes, fans. It was... Actors, actresses, global leaders, um, you know, President Trump tweeting about it. Um, you know, as I'm sitting here recording this, LeBron James actually just uh, just put out a statement. I'll actually read it. If I can find it. Let's see. LeBron James. Right. 
So as I mentioned, normally, you know, I'm not a Kobe advocate, but I respect greatness when you see it. So I'm going to read LeBron's Instagram post that he just wrote for Kobe Bryant. I'm not ready, but here I go. Man, I'm sitting here trying to write something for this post, but every time I try, I begin crying again, just thinking about you, niece Gigi, and the friendship bond brotherhood we had. I literally just heard your voice Sunday morning before I left Philly to head back to LA. Didn't think for one bit in a million years that would be the last conversation we'd have. WTF. I'm heartbroken and devastated, my brother. Man, I love you, big bro. My heart goes to Vanessa and the kids. I promise you I'll continue your legacy, man. You mean so much to us all here, especially Laker Nation. And it's my responsibility to put this shit on my back and keep it going. Please give me the strength from the heavens above and watch over me. I got us here. There's so much more I want to say, but just can't right now because I can't get through it. Until we meet again, my brother, hashtag mama for life, hashtag GG for life. Two heart emojis and two prayer emojis. That was LeBron's first comments since... Kobe's passing. Now, the coincidental part about all this is LeBron James just passed Kobe Bryant for third place in the NBA's all-time scoring list in Philadelphia, where Kobe, excuse me, where Kobe Bryant grew up. Kobe even congratulated LeBron on Twitter that same night. It, it's just, it's all really sad. Um, you know, I picked the Lakers to win the NBA championship before the year started. I'm not rooting for anyone else to win the NBA championship but the Los Angeles Lakers this year. And I picked them to win it. I'm going to stick with it. I think LeBron is probably the most motivated person right now in sports. Okay? He's coming off, you know, an, a, a season last year where he was very injured. Uh, he had a groin injury, excuse me, injury prone, had a groin injury was out for a long time, and now he has Kobe Bryant's legacy here, and I don't think it would mean more to the city of Los Angeles than LeBron James winning a championship for Kobe. Now, the argument's going to be, is this the greatest championship LeBron would ever win, or is the one in Cleveland a better championship? That's another discussion for another day. You know, I'm sure that's a conversation that will get brought up if LeBron does win it for the Lakers. And I truly hope he does. If they make the finals, I will root for them every step of the way. And like Kobe Bryant always said, and I'll read the quote that he always went by, you know, he talked about it all the time. You know, he's he's a man of many inspiring words. You know, he's... He's a legend, you know, and you don't realize how much of a global impact he had until you see him pass. I think you can see the impact he's had on so many fans, so many young kids, you know, people model their games after him. I mean, you see pe players crying, players don't even want to try. Like I was watching the Knicks next game, Knicks Nets game Sunday night. They didn't even look like they want to be there. They should have canceled those games. I thought it was a mistake. Um, you know, but Kobe, you know, he's the greatest player, you know, of the generation, 
with LeBron James and that there is no doubt about it. You know, five-time NBA champion, sold a lot of jerseys, did a lot for the, the communities, did a lot globally for the NBA. He was a great ambassador. He was up for the Hall of Fame this year. He's going to make it first ballot. Should be unanimous, no doubt about it. Anyone who votes against him is an idiot anyway, even if he was alive. Um, you know, he's the reason a lot of us played basketball in my generation. You know, this is like losing an icon. Well, it is losing an icon. Excuse me. It is losing an icon. And uh, I'm just going to read a quote here to, to, to wrap this up. Um, I want to thank all of you for listening. Um, I'm very grateful for all of you. I know I haven't done an episode in about 10 months, and I know a lot of you wanted me to bring this back. Um, so it will be back. The next episode will be on Monday night. The next Monday night, uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl the results there. Um, I've got some NBA trade deadline episodes coming up, the NHL trade deadline episode coming up uh, in the works. Um, but I'm just going to read a quote here by Kobe Bryant just to kind of wrap this up. And this kind of sums it up for Kobe. Heroes come and go, but legends are forever. I'm Andrew Schaefer, and this is Straight Up Sports.